This is LSU Experimental, where we explore exciting research occurring at Louisiana State University and learn about the individuals posing the questions. I'm Becky Carmichael. We're back with another mini-sode of Craziest, Weirdest, and Most Dangerous. And this time, we are exploring those particular small details that are critical to research. That's right, we're talking about the minute detail. And in this episode, it is a post-it note apocalypse involving governmental records. We're revisiting the experience of our LSU research librarians, Haley Johnson and Sarah Sims, at the National Archives while researching Japanese internment camps. We're going to hear a little bit about their experience and the craziness that ensued all over a post-it note. This could be washing glassware for me. What? <laughs> washing glassware? Washing glassware. Like, the process of washing glassware in the fetal alcohol syndrome lab was that I had to wash it when I was cleaning the glassware, wa- rinse everything out with regular water at least three times, if not more, then three times with DI water, and three times with double DI water package it, autoclave it. And I was rinsing it out, but I wasn't using the particular technique that the PhD student wanted, expected me to do. And I didn't, it was a miscommunication. I didn't, I didn't get it, but she wanted me to completely fill whatever the flask, the, um, what is it? The graduated cylinder up to the complete top and let it run over a little bit and dump it out and then do that again and me as the the conservationist environment you know save water I was rinsing things out well and I was making sure that that water touched all the surface but I wasn't filling it all up running over a little bit dumping it out and and so I didn't understand the implication in that moment of what that could do thankfully she caught me in time but man if i if she hadn't i could have screwed up how many how much of her work and then having been a phd student and it and understanding the importance of sometimes you only have one chance to get that data uh it really had me thinking about how do i explain my work to and how do i explain these processes as clear as possible to those that were helping me um and you know, I, I still didn't. There were some times where I didn't explain it very thir- as thoroughly as I needed to. It was clear in my head, those minute details. <laughs> and then my, some of my assistants were just like, yeah, I did it this way. And I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> didn't tell you why you needed to do it this way. Um, so that's, yeah. But you didn't mess anything up. And that's, that's the good thing, at least. There was someone there to catch you. She was, she was such an, like, this individual was so patient and so kind, and yet I was very intimidated by her presence because she was the one that was decapitating the rat pups and doing, and, and doing these, these, this test. And so I was constantly just in awe of her stomach to, <laughs> to do that. Well, I guess, so I, I have an example where it, it ended up, 
it did cost the lab a little bit of something and I don't even know if they know about it quite yet and I'm a few years removed so I might be telling my old PI about this just now um, and but, I'm and, assuming you're okay with that then. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so okay. I'm fighting on for it at this point. So he is known as Mr. Limpet or Mr. Kitan because he, he's just a really, really uh, famous uh, malacologist who studies chitons, which are little intertidal um, mollusks that they kind of look like uh, people call them the cockroaches of the sea, but they're really charismatic. They don't do that much, all, you know, all that much, but they, they're very charismatic. And he finally was able to get these rare. Uh, spe specimens from the tip of South Africa and they're particularly small I mean like some of them are just I don't know 10 15 20 millimeters were just very very small very fragile shells and I was put in charge of dissecting all of these and what I was told is what you should do for the really really precious samples is carve out a little body hole essentially in styrofoam so that they can rest the shell rest in it and you can keep the shell a lot more intact and then you can dissect out any of the, the body tissue that you want. Well, I was kind of in a, in a rush that day. It's undergrad world. So you have, you know, like three exams all of a sudden on Friday and two essays. And it's just so crazy. Undergrad is a, is a wild world. And so I had quite a lot of dissections and it takes a long time to make those body cavities. So I did attempt one chitin very fast. And um, not only did I accidentally with some tweezers break the shell, but it flipped the shell off, off the table onto the floor, which it kind of shattered a little bit when it hit the floor slash disappeared and has sent, like, could never be found. We scavered, I, I made a bunch of other undergrads help me out and we literally were mowing around the entire surface of the floor trying to find the remaining of this really precious chitin shell. And, uh, and then we had to move on because we did not find it. But I did, from that moment on, every single dissection from there went very smoothly because I used the styrofoam piece. Um, but the minute details definitely matter at times and an undergrad does not always appreciate that at all times. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> so did you have to tell I'm them? Sorry. I'm sorry, Doug. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, we luckily for the project, there was ended up being enough samples that the study was able to be done still. And so he just doesn't know that, you know, instead of 18, you know, it, it's 17 or so. so. It was something of that number where he just doesn't know it was that one missing one. And I was so fearful, which is the wrong thing, you know, to all, I regret now. Now, if you're an undergrad and you make a mistake, just tell them it'll, it'll avoid so much headache down the line. But uh, this one made it as a secret. You know, so I think this, it would be really helpful for you and I, Kyle, to tell everyone that. So here's one of another craziest, weirdest, and most dangerous episode. And if you haven't figured it out, we are talking about those minute details. And I absolutely agree. Mistakes suck, but make sure you tell someone because what sucks even more is if that person or that group gets further along in the process and then they find that particular mistake. Sometimes mistakes can be um, rectified there early on. Sometimes they can't, but I also think you're right. They're, they're really critical learning opportunities and they give you more understanding of why some of those practices are in place. Um, 
So I'm you glad. Under, undergrads need those moments because I will tell you, I, I have been ever since then known as the person who is about as technically, I, I try to do everything by the books at this point, but it was honestly the chitin incident on, onwards. <laughs> so, so, you know, maybe I needed that incident to put me on the trajectory I am now. It so who are, we, who are we talking about today? Who, who is our minute uh, detail? So our minute detail feature today um, is Haley Johnson and Sarah Sims. And just a quick recap, their particular episode was regarding their research work um, about the Japanese internment camps that were here in Louisiana. And these two remarkable librarians uh, from the LSU libraries had worked together to uncover, you know, more about those individuals that had been interned and the experiences that they had. And the documentation is definitely different than what you and I in terms of the sciences would be exploring. Those publications uh, or the records, I should say, were within documents, or excuse me, within governmental documents, uh, but also even personal letters um, that had been correspondence between uh, family members. And so one of their examples of those minute details happens to be in regards to the sensitivity of those original documents and the care that is taken to preserve those documents for as long as they can. So let's take a little listen. Well, when we were at the National Archives, this is not even dangerous, but it, oh. the National Archives has um, extremely, remember it's a government, it's a government building, um, so to get in is basically like you have to get a new driver's license, and then to get out is like they give you a body cavity search, but they don't, they don't really, but it feels like that. Um, so you are not allowed to have anything on your person except for your ID to get in, which they make for you. Um, and that's about it. And somebody, we had gotten, we had received notice that there was something for us down at the very front desk. So we'd have to go through like three levels of security. Um, and the guy that we were talking to gave us a post-it note gave us that we did not bring in the post-it note. So oh. we had to bring the post-it note to the desk and they put it in a bag, which they locked so that we could go downstairs because anything has to go in the bag and gets locked. Um, and then uh, all hell broke loose because <laughs> they thought that we had provided the post-it note and that we were then just going around to, I don't know, their entire collection just, and just putting, putting you know, post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> and for those that don't know, a little archival note, um, the sticky on the back of a post-it note will ruin any document that you have, uh, give it about, I don't know, a year. But... Um, so that was that was something. It was it was like full lockdown. We are it clearly being hyperbolic, but uh, it was something that really made us understand the difference between we are librarians um, entering an archival world, and we have a different idea of information sharing. Whereas all we want to do is share information. Where our archivists want to share information, but they're also charged with protecting preserving. These and preserving these, these historic documents, books, uh, I don't know, it could be anything, movies, all of it is, is their purview to protect. So they have to 
do that fine line and then we're rolling up like just show give us the red carpet we're librarians we know everything <laughs> um and so it was a real learning curve yes i i appreciate that sarah even indicates that you know there's a difference between the two groups or even three groups when they're coming in so you've got you know a governmental agency that has is taking care of materials that are owned by the american people and then you have what librarians are trying to do in terms of sharing that information but then the role and the charge of archivists and what you know they're trying to achieve and and figuring out and understanding you know even some of those rules like the post-it note and the problems that it could cause uh why those why those rules are in place yeah, it's amazing that we actually, I mean, I, up until we interviewed Haley and Sarah, I didn't actually even know this job, really, of people who are going to watch anyone who comes into the room uh, touch anything that's old, and dare they put a post-it note on something, because that will ruin it a year later. I mean, that's, that's incredible that there's a whole group of people out there doing this for us. Well, you also have to wonder, who's been the people? Like, why is this rule in place? Who's been that person that's been running around haphazardly slapping post-it notes into stuff? And like, do-do-do, hope you mark my place with this one and that. And then they've, what did they damage? That's really what I want to know is what what particular piece of material did we lose um, because of a post-it note? Right, yeah. All of history potentially changed for, for a post-it note. Well, there goes that's that's why you know roswell is so buried it was a post-it note just covered it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the conspiracy theorists really haven't taken off yet on the post-it notes yet but maybe we can maybe we can incite that we, we can nudge that a little bit yeah. i think this is this one was fun this is this is one that got us thinking more about you know why why certain things are in place and to be mindful of those rules as you proceed in both your career or if you're entering into someone's space um, to access their materials uh, and to appreciate those rules and if you make a mistake tell somebody so they can fix it <laughs> all right Kyle. Directed, Becky. <laughs> i'm sorry that one felt directed at somebody but all righty here we go mm. We're not, we're not doing that kind of thing here. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle, this is fun. We will, uh, we'll have our next craziest, weirdest, or our last craziest, weirdest for a little bit in this series coming next. And it's all about keeping your cool when you're in tight situations. So until then. Great. Thanks, Meg. This episode of LSU Experimental was recorded and produced in my home and is supported by LSU's Communication Across the Curriculum and the College of Science. Today's interview was conducted by me, Becky Carmichael. Our theme music is Brambiet Full Gallop by PC3. To learn more about today's episode, ask questions, and recommend future investigators, visit cxc.lsu.edu forward slash experimental. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. <laughs>